Welcome to Trends and Tensions, presented by BHDP, where we discuss trends in architectural and interior design and the competing priorities or tensions that arise from integrating new ideas into existing organizations, enterprises, and institutions. This episode, when laboratory and workplace design converge, we are joined by Jason Eichholz, co-founder and COO of Forge Biologics, a gene therapy development company. With Jason, we have Shannon Ryan, Senior Interior Designer at BHDP and member of the design team for Forge's Workplace, and Daniel Lessing, Client Leader at BHDP with experience in the cell and gene therapy sector. Jason, Shannon, and Daniel share their takeaways as they collaborate on Forge's State of the Industry facility. Combining Jason and Daniel's knowledge of the science market and Shannon's expertise in workplace design, the conversation delves into the importance of employee and user experience. I am your host, Brian Trainer, Senior Strategist for BHDP. Let's get started. Today, we're actually recording at Forge Biologics, so this is kind of exciting. We're sitting in, is this stage one of a multi-stage project? So we are into stage two. We're firmly we're in stage, stage two, two, and we are moving into what we call stage 2.5. <laughs> We got a little cute there for a while as we've titled our stages and builds. Uh, I keep BHDP and our construction contractor on their toes at all times. I'm sure. And it's good because we need to be on our toes a little bit. It keeps us fresh, right? So what does Forge Biologics do? Forge Biologics is what we would call a hybrid CDMO, meaning that we are a contract development and manufacturing organization within the gene therapy space. We really focus on AV manufacturing in a suspension system. We also have products that are part of the Forge brand. So we have therapeutic programs that we are bringing along from early phase into clinical trial. And that really allows us to leverage the manufacturing capacity that we have to support our own products. And also gives us a leg up on things from a regulatory perspective and from an industry trends perspective to be able to support clients coming in. And that allows us to be really a better partner to help them bring their products to market. You're not just developing or manufacturing. You're doing both of those plus research right, on gene therapy. But what is gene therapy? And I asked this from the perspective of both of my parents were elementary school teachers. So if you had to go on a career day and explain it in my parents' class, how would you explain what gene therapy is to a group of fourth graders? I actually had to do this for a group of third graders for my son for one of his career days. (laughs) So in layman's terms, what we're really doing is we are taking a virus and we're taking a gene of interest that a patient is missing. And we're using that virus as a delivery vehicle And we're trying to replace some of or as much of that gene in that person as we possibly can to regain function. It's a very simplized version, but really it allows those who can't produce a certain protein or can't clear a certain protein to be able to do that moving forward. We always use terms like therapeutic and not cure. You truly really can't cure, but we're trying to get enough of that gene of interest within the person and within the patient to be able to help treat the condition that they have. So the way I understand it, and this is you can tell me if I've missed the point here entirely, but your body is missing something from a gene perspective, and so you help replace what's missing in the body instead of just like medically treating the symptoms of whatever the malady may be. You're there. Okay. You, you, you have an understanding. Woo. 
It can be taught. It's That's fantastic. Right. <laughs> There's hope for me yet. And Daniel, did you want to add on to any of that? You know, Jason, you know, from the very beginning had a very good idea of what he wanted to do. But the, the partnership that we had with BHDP and Forge and Skanska was, was to really kind of take that kind of nuts and bolts, here's the square footage, and start talking about the people that are going to be going through that square footage. And that's, that's where kind of this partnership has really flourished. We did get to do a tour before, and you actually, Jason, started with a vision in mind that you called the hearth, that you you didn't know how to do CAD or layout floor plans, but you kind of had an organizational architectural vision of what needed to happen. Where did your vision start? The vision started really on a challenge. We were looking at spaces, and we really liked this location that we're at in Grove City. The challenge from my CEO, Tim Miller, was what can we put in that space? What can we build to support our vision for being you know, the best-in-class provider for gene therapy manufacturing? I went home and used my best skills that I had in Microsoft Paint and hand-drew an entire facility. I pulled in support people like Ashley Craddock, who I've been working with for years, who is my director of manufacturing, and bounced things off of her. And we kind of really honed in on what we wanted to build. Because we knew that if we had a master plan, if we had this vision for the entire facility, when we went to design it with an architectural firm, with an engineering group, we would actually be better stewards of our vision. We know what we didn't want. We knew we knew what we kind of wanted it to look like. And that's where the relationship really took off because I could hand it to people like Shannon and say, hey, I can draw boxes really well. <laughs> I know what I want. I want the feel, the vibe. This is what I want. Make it pretty. When people come to me, when our construction contractor comes to me and wants to make changes or has different ideas, I have in the back of my head Shannon's voice saying, that's not going to be pretty or that's not going to be good. And and it, it has helped me as we move along to really kind of focus in, keep our vision and really kind of think about our master plan, mm -hmm. but as well as how we want to move people through space, how we want to bring our clients in and how I want my employees and everyone who comes into Forge to feel when they're uh, on their journey through the space, as well as when they're just you know doing the regular job. You know, Jason had his Microsoft Paint layout, but for us at BHDP, right, so much of our early conversations with clients is, what's your plan five years from now? What's your plan 10, 10 years from now, right? Because we never want to design ourselves into a box. Having that 10-year-out conversation, which Jason was very prepared to do, uh, really helped us understand that overall vision. And then the other part that was maybe a bit unique versus some of the other pharmaceutical projects I've done, you know, we spent a good amount of time talking about that vibe, talking about the look, talking about the feel, talking about the different people that are going to be coming through the space versus just talking about, was well, this an ISO 7 space? Is this an ISO 8 space? Where's the CNC at? And really talking about those different personas that are going to be entering the area. Yeah, I would say starting from his paint plan to our focus groups, right? So we did a visioning session like we always do. I think Jason thought, what the heck are we doing for some of this stuff, right? Like the journey mapping when we first do that, a lot of clients think, why do we need this? We know how we want people to travel. But we the touchy-feely stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we did that. We did pictures. We did all of this stuff. And it was nice to have a small group. And we redid that first. 2.5 and we added people to the team and we revisited the journey map and it remains the same because Jason helped plan all of that right in his brain he knew how people were going to transfer through that space but it ultimately has provided us with locations of where people are going to stop on a tour kind of those like Instagram moments too and the vibe that we want as like employees clients and even young patients move through the space so 
hopefully you see that kind of our vision session and documentation that we do up front, the touchy-feely, the let's get the pictures and things, has ultimately led us to where we're landing. And I think the key is to know what you are and what you aren't. And I know <laughs> I am not design savvy. I know and I don't have the, the, the vision for all the soft things. So I know when to kind of give over the controls and say, Shannon, make it pretty. <laughs> Making it pretty is only one subset of her gifts because you came in and started talking about user experience, like people moving through the space. So that's it's much more robust than that. And when you think of the users, one of the components of that are employees, you know, the people that come in every day. And from what I understand from cell and gene therapy, this is a pretty competitive market for really specialized talent, right? Very qualified individuals. So how have you looked at the space from that perspective, from how do we get people to want to come and work here and stay? My, my previous background, I've had the opportunity to really move through a lot of the cell and gene therapy providers that are out there. Um, I've had experience to walk through a lot of facilities and had to see and seen layouts and designs. And what I communicated to really the BHTP team as well as my own team is a lot of them are very sterile. It's very nice and welcoming open areas, but you don't get a lot of people vibe. You don't get a lot of activity. I've been in operations my entire career and running hundreds of people through manufacturing spaces. So I know it takes hundreds and hundreds of folks to actually run a large-scale facility. So if I don't see anybody as I'm touring through as a potential client, I, I may have questions. Do you have enough staffing? Do you have enough personnel actually to complete my project in a timely manner and with, a, with enough quality and enough effort to meet our contract dates? I want a potential client, patient family, or even officials coming from our, our, you know, the local township as well as the, you know, the state of Ohio. When they come through the space, we want them to see all these people we talk about having. You come through our social hub at about 10 o'clock in the morning when you would think it would be empty. It is a din of activity. We have people who are having meetings on, and have their laptops open. We have people who are, you know, having a light breakfast, early lunch, you name it. And our clients see that and our people see that. I think it's so important. I, I read two articles this week on other pharmaceutical companies within the state of Ohio that are getting pressure from their investors to move out of the state, to move to Massachusetts, to move to North Carolina. And for the state of Ohio and the companies that are trying to create this Columbus hub of pharmaceutical and biopharmaceutical, there's only so many folks within the state that we're going to be able to pull to these, these, these new pharmaceutical companies in and around Columbus. So they have to have a differentiation from what else is out there. And sometimes you are convincing someone in Massachusetts or North Carolina or California to move to Ohio. And if your space isn't creating that kind of excitement, that's just one knock against you. So Yeah, and I think that's been a nice collaboration too, right? Jason is so highly science and workplace expertise. So it was blending the two and then adding Daniel and other components to help make sure that we're providing spaces within the tuning forks and within the lab space that are allowing people to feel like the workplace is continuing. So we've done that with some exciting murals, some EGD graphics, the niche. We're incorporating a, a, a stop that I think at first you wow, would have never thought about that. And we were like, this is something that we provide in workplace. And you have that. We need places and destinations for people in your labs to come out and ideate, make a phone call even. So I think it's been a nice collaboration from science and workplace and how we're able to kind of bring those two together. Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of corporate clients, their approach to attracting and retaining talent 
is what benefits are there, what amenities can we provide, but you've taken a different approach is how much energy can we create. When we went into the break, it was 9 in the morning, and it wasn't a buzz. It was a practical cacophony, and it was a positive energy. People were excited. People were working. They were having conversations. Nobody seemed to be bothered by the noise. So there, I don't see any underutilized anything. But it was probably one of the first things we said as we were talking. I, I don't want big, open you know, lecture halls that sit empty 90% of the time. We, we want to make sure that we have this flexibility, and but just usable, good space. Whereas, you know, if you have this quiet corner that no one ever sits in, why have it? Yeah. Let's make sure that it's a good, usable space all the way through, which is hard. And, you know, we're, we're trying little things here and there to really kind of see where the people go. You know, it's, it's like one of those college campus assignments where they let all the kids walk from classrooms over grass and then they put in the sidewalks later because they want to see where the natural patterns are. And that's a lot of what we're trying to do here as we expand and build out our office space. Where do people gravitate to? Well, and what's interesting, too, in this process is we started with five in the visioning session. This office that we're sitting in currently, stage one, we plan for 32 people. And they're already maxed out, right? So now we're planning 2.5, and that'll take them over 300. So there's a lot of new dimension to that as far as personality, who people are coming through, what's happening. So we've been trying to incorporate what we're learning from the 30 people that we were planning for to now close to 300. So, you know, Jason and his team have done a really good job of saying, this is not working, this is working, how can we change that? Which has been really beneficial, I think, for us to be successful. Sure. Now, uh, one thing that I've learned recently that runs what you do here is technology. And technology is very important for staying on top of doing research and manufacturing. But that's the problem is sometimes with technology, it can change very quickly. And once it's installed, it's already the old version. How do you plan for flexibility or being able to change things out quickly? Because you've been thinking about this for a long time, Jason, right? We never say that we're state of the art. We are state of the industry. There's no experimental technology coming into here. There is proven new technology. And there's a, there's a big distinction there. Oh, sure. um, but as we move forward, uh, if you go into one of our clean room suites, there is nothing nailed down. I tell people we can break down a clean room suite and go from fully occupied to empty walls in 20 minutes. It wow. takes, takes a couple people and a little bit of back effort to push things in and out. But that allows us to bring in different equipment if need be, to swap out for new technologies, newer technologies. And that's really critical as a contract manufacturer moving forward to be able to have that flexibility for our clients. That's also why we staged our builds. So we're, we're building out you know 16 clean rooms currently, and we'll have those by summer this year. And the idea is we're going to have the ability to double that size and then do another 50% on top of that as we build out the rest of our stages. And we're going to learn. We're going to learn what our customers want. We're going to learn what we want. We're going to learn what's working really well. We're going to see where our demand is so we can actually build the spaces better each time that we recreate it. That was one of the uh, interesting things when we when we kicked the project off. Flexibility means something different to a lot of a lot of different companies. Right, and we talked about that when we did the tour, Brian. Like the uh, stick built versus the kind of hybrid modular built, 
versus the kind of all-in-one box pre-manufactured clean room. And you talk to some companies and they'll say flexibility means a pre-manufactured clean room. For other folks, flexibility means 100% stick built because I can move drywall faster than I can order a pre-manufactured unit. And then there's that giant middle ground, which we're playing in here at Forge. And it, it was it was fun watching uh, Jason and Larry De Janeiro bang heads through the visioning session <laughs> on what does flexibility mean? How are we doing the utilities? How are we plugging everything in? But that's really, you know, one of the things that I think I value about our company is, you know, we're not walking in with any sort of preconceived notion. We're asking the client, like, what does success look like for you? What does flexibility look like for you versus like, well, we've done it 10 ways like this before and here's what you're going to get and have that conversation up front and, and then customize, you know, our design around what their goals are. The good thing is Larry and I are equally strong personalities, <laughs> and we can be blunt with each other, which was good. Yes. Shannon and I had popcorn yes. sat mean, in the corner. It was great. We had a good time. But the thing is, honestly, when Larry, if Larry and I look at the design that we've come up with, you know, working together, working together as teams, we're both equally proud of what we've kind of put together on paper. And uh, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be able to say that, yeah, we didn't get – both of us didn't get exactly what we wanted – but we made it better at the end. Exactly. Yeah. Creative conflict is what that is for a better result. So I, I guess, too, when you talk about preconceived notions, Shannon, you came in with a vast amount of laboratory and clean room experience, right? Like, how did you? Like, <laughs> Thank goodness the for first one? Danielle Henry on our team yeah. and Robin. I mean, <laughs> those two are the whizzes for the labs. And again, it's the partnership of Jason's team telling us, you know, integrated information about how their teams are flowing through space, right? And then we can take it and make sure that it's incorporated from workplace there. That's that journey mapping, right? Right. But no, Jason has taught me so much about science. <laughs> it's unreal. But literally when we did the focus groups, I looked at Daniel and Larry and I said, I am out of my game here. Yeah. Like my expertise is workplace. The thing we challenged Shannon and her team with was any place people are working is a workplace, yes. right? right? So when you get through the lens of, you know, a workplace is an office, not here. Yeah. You have some scientists and technicians that they could be eight hours straight in a clean room, yeah. if, right? So that's the workplace. So as, as we started talking about places people work yeah. versus workplace, that's when the light bulb went off for Shannon and understanding that persona map and understanding like how Jason's people move through their space. She was able to look at labs and clean rooms through the lens of her workplace expertise. Yeah, and I guess that led me to were there any big surprises during the design process for you, Jason, like big aha moments or things that maybe changed from your original hearth perspective? And also, why was it called the hearth? I'll start at the end first. That yeah, was, that's like the that. easy one. That one's a fun one. <laughs> so we are Forge. Our colors really are orange and black, and they're kind of a, a different vibe. If you're in gene therapy, there's a joke. Everything's an A name. It's all tangent on AV, uh, uh, which is the viral vector that we use. So everything's an A name, and all the colors are green and blue. <laughs> and... It, it, it's fine, and we wanted to be something a little bit different than that, and that's why we chose Forge. Uh, that's why we chose our color scheme. And so we chose all of our naming to go along with kind of that fire theme and that manufacturing theme. So we created the hearth. And really, this is our home. So home and hearth, and we, we wanted it to have a very warm vibe. To really see the aha moments, you have to look at the naming of all the projects that we've had. So we had a stage one build, and that was to be followed up 
by a stage two build. So we have a meeting every week or so with our construction team and with our design team. And in those meetings, everyone is waiting for me to say something like, I've got a curveball for you. <laughs> we are in stage two now, and we've started with stage one. In between, we had stage 1.5 office. <laughs> we have stage 1.5 lab. We had stage 1.75 lab. These are all distinct little builds that we've added on in between. And we are in stage two. And oh, by the way, we're starting 2.5. And then we're also starting 2.75 office and 2.75 lab. Mm -hmm. And I've got a 2.9 that I haven't even actually talked with anybody about deeply. And I'll get an email from Jason like, hey, here's a curveball. And then I'll talk with the Skanska team. We're like, okay, for us to hit this curveball, like, what do we got to do? And like, we're rolling within days of putting together a design schedule with the way the construction industry is right now, pretty much pre-ordering everything that's humanly possible. And then, you know, Shannon and Robin and Danielle and the rest of the design team just kind of rolling right into it. And, you know, we've been able to pull off some things pretty quickly as, as Forge kind of feels itself out and figures out, you know, what does next need to be. But without that kind of partnership and that kind of trust of the kind of the three-legged stool, it would kind of fall apart. Yeah, it sounds like you have a really good relationship, and that's what makes it successful, right? And it's interesting, too, because you did. You started with the master plan of the hearth. You knew how big your box was and how much was going to go in it and what needed to be where organizationally. And then it was just deconstructing that into stages. So, all right, how do we get up and running, and how, what do we test? And now everything's iterative from that based on what you've learned from before or what you're able to staff up to and such, right? So it's just how do we support it and keep moving forward and still get to the master plan? Is there anything else you want to share before we go? Gene therapy is really the only thing for our patients. What we're treating is ultra-rare disease. And there is no other paradigm for these patients. This is where they are putting all their hope in. This is where our clients are putting all their hope, their time, their money to, to try to get to these treatments out into clinical trial and to get them to market. And, you know, we have a ticking clock that is going all the time with everything that we do. But our patients have that ticking clock. You know, a lot of these diseases are fatal before the age of two. So what we do, how we're doing it, is all about speed, time, efficiency. And we got to make sure that we are moving quickly. There's also an element of quality we must have. There's also an element of expertise and an element of thought we have to put into everything we, we do within this space, within this industry. But really, you know, it's, it's all about saving someone time and providing more time. And we all know that our mission is serious here. We all know that what we are doing is ultimately impactful to everyone it touches. And we know that we are the only solution for, for a lot of people who are out there. And we take it very serious. We do not take ourselves very serious. We have a good time. We, we want to make sure that this environment is always open, uh, friendly, happy, as, as well as supportive, because we know how heavy the mission is. You know, we are here to provide hope. That's fantastic. Thank you, Jason, for sharing that. Because that's what I hear, too. You know, There's that need when you work in something that is so very serious, that need for some emotional respite. And you do that by creating places of joy. Uh, and I witnessed that personally this morning. That was amazing. 
Thank you for what you do. And it's interesting, too, because in architecture, sometimes I'm like, why are we so stressed out? It's not like we're saving lives. But with this project, we have an impact on somebody who is. Right. Well, Mr. Ike Holtz, this is a very exciting project. Thank you for sharing. Thank you all for coming. Thank you for joining Trends and Tensions, presented by BHTP, for this episode, When Laboratory and Workplace Design Converge, with Jason Eichholz, co-founder and COO of Forge Biologics, Shannon Ryan, Senior Interior Designer at BHDP, and Daniel Lessing, Client Leader at BHDP. If you appreciate what you've heard, please rate, subscribe, and give us a review. I am Brian Trainer, your host, and I hope you'll join us for another episode of Trends and Tensions to see what topics drive design.